Hello, my loves, and welcome to the podcast, All Things Empath. I am your host and healing mentor, Laura Ann, and I created All Things Empath to be a space where sensitives and empaths can come and receive guidance, love, and support on their own healing and empowerment journeys. Whether with just me or one of my guests, we show up in vulnerability to share our own stories and insights with the intention of creating a network of support for you, dear listener. Because feeling all the feels, healing from past trauma, old patterns, and learning how to navigate and fully step into your sensitivity superpowers can feel super confusing and sometimes, honestly, super lonely. But you are not alone. There are more and more of us sensitives and empaths waking up every day. And the work you're doing to heal yourself and claim your power is the work that will transform not only you, but the entire world. And it's why we're here. So I invite you to join me on this sacred journey of self-discovery, self-love, and self-healing. We'll laugh, we'll cry, and we'll do it all together. I am so happy you're here. Enjoy. You made it to the end of another week. We are staring down the lane at the weekend and it feels really good. Um, yeah, I don't. <laughs> I was thinking about last week's episode and talking about burnout and compassion fatigue and this week as I was feeling into um, what would be really supportive, that theme kept coming up um, of taking time to rest and to integrate. And I realized, um, as it happens so often, what it is I was feeling called to share is something I needed to remind myself of, (laughs) which happens so much in this work, um, that the things that I'm, I'm sharing as support for y'all, I actually need to remember for myself as well. It's just, it's such a beautiful relationship and it's one of the reasons I'm so grateful for this work because it helps to keep me in it. And I'm so appreciative of all y'all being here with me today and trusting me to share, um, you know, insight and, and my thoughts on life as an empath, as a sensitive, and how to really show up for ourselves in a way that feels in alignment and feels good. Um, and that's not something that we're really taught in our society. Um, I've been seeing this uh, reel coming up a lot on Instagram. If you don't follow me, I'm at sensitive.collective on Instagram. And so one of the things that's been coming up in my feed a lot, because the algorithm knows me so well, um, it's this uh, all these reels people are doing to um, an audio by Abraham Hicks, where she's talking about basically like the purpose of life and human existence is to to embody joy, <laughs> to create a life of happiness. And what a radical concept that is for our society and for our culture, and that it just is really mind-blowing um, that that is something that some of us are really seeking out. And so I've been thinking about it and, and letting it marinate, and it, it keeps coming back to... <laughs> It keeps coming back to the patriarchy. <laughs> I like that might not have been what you were expecting to hear. Um, but it does. It keeps coming back to truthfully, all jokes aside, 
um, the, the balance of the, the divine masculine and the divine feminine at all levels of the individual personal level, all the way up through global community and, and society and culture. And of course, globally, there are different cultures and different views on masculine and feminine, but with, with the age of industrialization and colonization and that, um, globalization of that thought world throughout all societies and cultures of earth, um, the domination of that perspective of reality has really created this massive imbalance between the masculine and feminine energies of earth and of humanity. And I want to be really clear at the start of this conversation, when I'm talking about masculine and feminine, I'm not talking about gender. I'm not talking about gender. I'm not talking about sexuality. I'm talking about energy. I'm talking about the very basics, like the building blocks, um, light and dark, sun and moon, work and rest, yin and yang, that Taoist concept um, where they are both mutually creative and also um, seemingly opposite at the same time, but that one cannot exist without the other. And one of my mentors Fabian Fredrickson, she's really brilliant, and I do some work with her. Um, I love it, and I don't know if she came up with this story, but this is where I heard it from. And and she talks about, or this perspective, she talks about, you know, the sun, um, you know, and and the moon, and when we look outside our window and we see in the summer season all of the green. Um, at least for me in Asheville, I see. I look out, I see all the trees and the green, and you know, if if the sun was out 24 hours a day, it would all burn up. It would all burn up. That we need the moon. We need the the rest and the fallow time without the sun shining in order for the green to thrive and grow, in order for life to exist on our on our earth. And same with this with the moon. If it was dark, if it was eternal night, photosynthesis wouldn't happen. <laughs> The green would not thrive. The green would not grow. And so it's that balance. It's the complement of both that allows for for a truly thriving existence. Um, So that's what I'm talking about when I'm thinking about masculine and feminine. And we all have masculine and feminine energy within ourselves. Each and every one of us, no matter how you identify um, within your gender, within your sexuality, each and every human has both masculine and feminine energy, whether or not we're in touch with it or aware of it is a whole other story. Um, but I felt that it was important to talk about at the start of this episode, as well as, um, you know, the equality of importance and value of each. And I think that's demonstrated in the sun and moon example. Um, but I want to be really clear as I'm going through this conversation with you and exploring these concepts that I'm not down at all. I'm not passing judgment and saying that the masculine energy is bad. I'm just talking about imbalance and and that the imbalance is not something that is going to really facilitate whole health and happiness individually, 
societally, culturally, globally, right? Um, So not passing a value judgment on whether masculine energy or feminine energy is better than the other. They're both equally important and vital to our existence and our ability to thrive. So all of that being said, um, you know, the the kind of the, the seed of inspiration for this episode really was when I when I tapped in, um, it's it's following up on last week's episode around burnout um, and needing to incorporate time for ourselves uh, because you know rest and time to integrate what it is we are learning as we are on this healing journey especially is so so important. And it's one of the reasons why when I work with my clients, I incorporate a week of integration into the time that we're working together because you can only take so many like energetic mind, body, spirit upgrades at a time before your whole system is just like, this is too much, right? And in order to get those deeper shifts that are going to be more lasting, we need to have that fallow. We need to have that nighttime. We need that feminine space of rest and integration and softening into the activity of learning and, and growing and shifting within the sunlight, if that makes sense. Um, when I'm thinking about all of the work that, that you are doing, that I am doing as we think about shifting our mindset, think about coming into more alignment with with our bodies and connecting with source and and all of the different ways that we are working with ourselves on our healing and empowerment journey. Um, we are literally reprogramming our DNA as we're going through healing. And so this is just if you needed it, because I know I did, <laughs> this is just a reminder that that's a lot of work, <laughs> like on a cellular level um on the level of dna like that takes energy to do that and so sometimes for me i think it's really helpful when i'm feeling um, any judgment around my need for rest to remind myself like you know even if it doesn't look like work healing is a lot of energetic (laughs) input um and that you know you, you really are physiologically making changes to yourself as, as you're going through this healing and empowerment journey, um, my love, own that. <laughs> own that, acknowledge that, celebrate that, and allow that to help you to justify if you need to, which I do. I, th- I feel like sometimes we all have to justify the rest for ourselves because we'll get to that later. Um, but if you have that feeling of like, uh, you know, can I really take this time for myself? Just remind yourself like it, what you're doing is it's, it's big. And you deserve the rest to really integrate what you're doing so that that work will um, continue to support you. And so that the healing and empowerment work that you're doing doesn't add to your burnout, right? That's, that's super important and something I felt I really wanted to, I really wanted to touch on. Um, and it comes back to a little bit uh, on a previous episode talking about 
the nonlinear nature of time and the nonlinear nature of healing, right? Healing isn't linear. And so just those gentle reminders for ourselves when maybe our inner critic is questioning our need for rest, questioning the need for us to have time to integrate the work that we're doing for ourselves. So I think, you know, the history major in me from another lifetime, uh, the, the curious mind that, that is my nature. Um, I really love to try to understand, um, all the different threads and stories that have brought us to where we are today. And, uh, I, I feel there's another episode that will be birthed um, down the line around the power of story, uh, because I think that's that's an important thing to talk about. But that's not today. But um, you know, that's history or her story, as some folks like to call it, since we're talking about the the balance of the masculine and the feminine. Um, it has the word story in it for a reason, right? It's all of these different perspectives and narratives about our past. And so, you know, how did we get to the place in our society where there is such a massive imbalance between the masculine and the feminine? Um, You know, how did we get to the place where our value is so wholly squarely put on our productivity, on our ability to go, 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 go all the time and, and force and... Um, you know, that sun shining 100% of the time. And how did that sunshine become so much more valued societally than the moon, metaphorically? Um, so I, I think about when we look back, really it comes to the age of enlightenment um, in the 15 and 1600s. And I think I talked about this a little bit. I touched on it in one of the episodes about mind, body, spirit in that three part series. But, um, you know, it really goes all the way back to the 15 and 1600s, um, to the age of enlightenment and kind of the accepted fathers of that age of enlightenment were Rene Descartes and Isaac Newton. Those may be a couple of names that sound familiar to you from uh, all the way back in school days. Um, and and they were really responsible for, and when you, when you think about the Age of Enlightenment, the, um, the reductionist school of thought, which, which separates mind and spirit from the body. So... Of course, you know, that separation of mind and spirit from the body, there, there are some different kind of reasons and motivations for that. At that time, there were, of course, like purely philosophical, scientific hypotheses and um, conversations around that, and, and that was a part of it. But there were also, you know, those historical, social, cultural, political reasons behind that reductionist school of thought and the separation of mind and spirit from the body. So if we're putting ourselves back, and I I use the word thought world um, because I have this understanding that, you know, we have the physical reality that we're living in, but we're co-creating that reality all the time through the instruments of our own mind, body, and spirit. 
And so as we're looking at history and we're thinking about our ancestors and people in the past, they were doing that as well. And so the reality that they lived within, you know, they were co-creating it and what they believed and what they perceived to be true about the nature of God and the universe and the world absolutely influenced the reality that they lived in and were were co-creating. And so that thought world, there were these commonly held beliefs um, where, you know, today, uh, I don't know why, but the (laughs) witches floating is one that came up. It was like very common, like, oh, if you throw a woman in the lake and she, she sinks, she's not a witch. If you throw a woman in the lake and she floats, she is a witch. Like, Today, we're like, what? <laughs> that sounds just absolutely wackadoodle. Uh, but back then, it was just like widely accepted truth, right? Um, which affected a lot of people. Uh, so when I'm, that's what I mean when I'm talking about thought world, about those, those beliefs and those perceptions and mindsets that were actually creating um, the reality of the, the world that the people were living in at that time. And we go back to that thought world of the 15 and 1600s. And one of the major players in that, sort of the major player in that, is the Catholic Church and Catholicism and that view of man and man's place within the world and within the greater cosmos of the universe. Um, So not only on, on like the philosophical side of belief and setting up you know, that, that hierarchical belief system of, of man and, and why we're here and how we operate. Uh, but also then on the actual political side of things, right? The Catholic Church historically had a lot, a lot of power. They had the power to influence leaders of nations, kings and queens, and um, had their own military presence, right? So uh, that was a very real thing. They had a lot a lot of power and influence and you you didn't want to go up against the catholic church so all that to say the catholic church's perspective was that the mind and spirit are god's territory and that the body is science's territory so you know science and philosophy y'all need to leave mind and spirit alone that is the territory of the church but we'll let you have the body so that was um, was very much understood, and uh, you know, Rene Descartes had seen his peer uh, Galileo, who had posited that actually the Earth isn't the center of our solar system, but it's the Sun, a heliotropic centered universe, um, solar system. So. That flew in the face of what the Catholic Church believed to be true, and Galileo suffered the consequences. It really, really put a monkey wrench in his career. There was a, there was some, a really unpleasant. There was some really, there was a lot of unpleasantness that came up for him within his life and his career as a result of that, um, that theory that he came up with. And so Descartes witnessed that and was like. I don't think I'm going to go up against the Catholic Church. Um, And and definitely in his philosophizing, uh, he went along with the idea in what he wrote in his philosophies about um, the mind and the spirit being separate from the body. 
um, one of the ways that that comes up is thinking about um, how the body, he, he posited that the body can affect the mind, but the mind cannot affect the body. So for example, if you were sick and you had a fever and you were having fever dreams, that Descartes was theorizing demonstrates that illness can have an effect on the mind's ability to think and cognate, but that, and, and so the, the body can affect the mind, but that then the mind can't actually affect the body. And so that was Descartes' theory. Um, so, and we'll come back to that here in a few minutes, but that, uh, is one of the fathers of enlightenment, Descartes. And that theory has really, had staying power <laughs> through the centuries. Another that has had staying power through the centuries was given to us by Isaac Newton, um, on another father in the Age of Enlightenment. And um, in 1687, he published his Principia Mathematica and posited within that work his theory of the clockwork universe. And the clockwork universe theory forms the foundation for the modern scientific method. And it, it hasn't changed much. So just to be clear, the modern scientific method that is in the driver's seat for what we believe in Western medicine to be true and right um, is from the 1600s. <laughs> so I don't know how modern it is anymore. Uh, it just blows my mind sometimes to think about that. Uh, but the, the clockwork universe theory, um, really, it's the perspective that, that our universe is this machine that can be broken down into smaller parts so that we can better understand the whole. And I mean, commonsensically, yeah, that totally tracks, right? That makes sense that we would, we would want, it's, you know, kind of when you think about dissecting or taking apart a clock to better understand, you know, how the gears interact and how the clock comes together and works as a whole. And it has given us so much knowledge. Like I want to be clear, like the scientific method and this perspective has really, you know, brought humanity to where we are today in the realm of medicine and technology, etc. There's so much insight and knowledge and wisdom that has been harvested through this methodology and it's limited because it is also rooted in the idea that mind and spirit are separate from the body. And so when we're looking in the realm of medicine in the modern scientific method and these incredible avatars that we have, these organic, um, ever-changing, ever-growing beings that we are infused with spirit, um, you know, we're, we're not an inanimate machine. We're not a clock. As much as people like to talk about the brain as a computer, it is infinitely more miraculous and incredible than a computer, right? And while that analogy might help us understand some of its basic functions, it doesn't actually track. Um, and, and that's one of the massive limitations in the modern scientific method. Um, and that I should say as well, that, that clockwork universe theory um, is that we we aren't inanimate machines that work where our body works separately from mind and spirit. And it's this perceived and created 
separation of mind and spirit from the body that has had a huge role in our understanding of our mind, body, spirit as a whole, as well as the way we, we value those different facets within ourselves, within the world around us and, um, the seen and the unseen and the masculine and the feminine. Um, you know, our body is, is physical. It's verifiable. It's concrete. It's provable. These are all very masculine traits. The mind and the spirit, they're ethereal and elusive and hard to pin down and, um, soft like water, very transmutable. Uh, those are very feminine traits when we're again talking about energy, masculine energy, feminine energy. And so we start to see like I'm connecting those dots and, and, and showing like that tie between the, the separation of mind and spirit from the body and how that has influenced the perceived value of these things, of the seen and the unseen world of the masculine and feminine energies within ourselves and within our reality. And so Western culture um, has really, has really, you know, just gone all out with this <laughs> perspective. We've just uh, swallowed it hook, line, and sinker, as they say. Um, and, and it's really had an impact in... Um, the openness to alternative and holistic methods of uh, medical care, as well as spirituality and mysticism, because there is a value judgment um, around mind and spirit versus the body, around the verifiable and the seen and the scientifically provable and the unseen and the elusive and the felt and the world of energy and emotion. So how much value we place as a society on the seen world uh, is really rooted in an imbalance between the masculine and the feminine in this separation of mind and spirit from the body. Um, and, and that, that valuing more the seen and the provable than the unseen world of energy and thoughts and emotion. So now we come back to thinking about, you know, Descartes, and, and the way that he uses, um, for example, that story I mentioned earlier about the fever dream and the, the body can affect the mind, but the mind can't affect the body. That was his theory. What's ironic is that the scientific method actually disproves this. <laughs> and yet the scientific method disproves this and it still uh, kind of looks down its nose. I should say the scientific community really looks down its nose at spirituality and mysticism and um, things that can't be proved via the scientific method. So the scientific proof in the scientific method that the mind does in fact affect the body, anyone, can you guess? It's the placebo effect. <laughs> Sorry, just, I find it so funny. Um, so y'all may remember from school studying about the placebo effect. And this is when, for example, in medical trials, there are, um, you're, you're wanting to test a medicine out and you have a control group and a test group. So the test group is actually receiving this new medication to see what the results are. The control group 
have been told that they're the test group and that they're receiving the actual new medication. But in reality, the control group is receiving a sugar pill. And what we've seen again and again and again is that that control control group receiving the sugar pill um, who believe that they're getting the new medication, they see results because they believe that they're taking the new medicine because they believe that they're going to see results. And so they do. Now, the results aren't going to be to the same level and degree as the test group that are actually receiving the medicine. And it may be very different depending on what that medicine actually does and what they believe it will do. But the power of belief, the power of their mind to affect their body is scientifically documented in hundreds of thousands of test studies. And it's scientific proof that the mind, and I would say the spirit, because there's an element of of belief there in an an emotional and an energetic capacity, as well as in the the mental mindset capacity, um, that the mind and the spirit do, in fact, have the power to affect our body and that they're all connected, that mind, body, and spirit are not separate, that they're all connected, and that they're all equally important and should all be considered. And that then comes back to the masculine and the feminine, right? That one, that again, that yin and yang, right? They're they're mutually creative, even though they seem like opposites. One can't exist without the other. So mind and spirit do have a powerful influence on our physical experience and our reality. The scientific method absolutely has merit, as I mentioned at the start of this episode. Um, But based on all of this, I can say with confidence that I believe that this way of perceiving the world is limited. And when we value this method and value the physical and the seen and the masculine to the detriment of exploring the and and um, exploring and valuing the unseen and the felt worlds and the feminine, we're doing a huge disservice to ourselves and to the world because it's all about balance. It's all about finding that middle way. Again, this is a very sort of leaning on Taoist philosophy. Um, you know, that it's that, that mutually creative yin and yang of it all. Um, so, you know, we, we both, we have all of us, both masculinity and femininity, femininity within us, um, on personal and societal levels. Um, and the struggles I believe that we are seeing within ourselves. Um, and when I say struggles, that can mean, um, mental illness, that can mean chronic illness, um, the, the struggle and the suffering that we're experiencing as a human living on, on, on earth at this time within ourselves, the struggles that we're experiencing in our families, in our communities, in our countries, and as a global society as a whole, I believe are rooted in this imbalance of masculine and feminine energy and in overvaluing the masculine. It has us out of balance with force, always exerting, 
always forcing in this way, always in the physical, in the provable, in the tangible, in the seen, and ignoring this absolutely essential, vital part of ourselves that needs nourish, nourishment and replenishment as well. Again, coming back to that sun and moon, like we are scorching the shit out of everything because we are just like, bring on the sun and we pretend like the moon isn't as important or doesn't even exist. Um, so in order for us at a personal individual level, at you know familial, community, global level, to get more into balance, into a place of whole health, we, we really need to turn towards the feminine and embrace that energy and invite that more into our perspectives, into the, the current thought world that is now, um, and into the way that we show up for ourselves and for the people that we love. You know, dwelling fully in masculinity really denies us the opportunity to surrender and to receive. And tying back to the seed of the reason for this episode, dwelling in that masculinity, denying us that opportunity to surrender and receive, it also... Um, cuts out the ability for us to rest and integrate, right? We're not allowing the nighttime to happen. And that feminine energy, that, that moon energy is a vital part of a whole and balanced human experience. And it's, it's the back and forth. Again, it's that co-creative, mutually dependent process, force versus surrender, Proof versus faith, science versus spirituality. Let's take the verses out and think of them as two sides of one coin. Each of these, one side of the yin-yang symbol. Force and surrender. Proof and faith. Science and spirituality. Um... It's come up for me again and again, this kind of all or nothing, one or the other. And what if it could be both and? What if it wasn't mutually exclusive? What if one wasn't more important than the other? So bringing more balance, what would that look like? I think um, when we're talking about In the day-to-day, it's, I know it sounds like I'm Johnny OneNote over here. (laughs) There's so many episodes where I talk about this, but it's one of the most fundamental things that we can really fully integrate to create just massive, massive transformation within yourself and your life is creating time for yourself to rest as an empath. And part of that is deepening your awareness and creating time just to reflect, just to feel, just to tune in to the world within you that is the unseen and felt. That in and of itself has a very feminine energy quality to it. Um, And over time, as I've talked about before, 
that practice of tuning in, that practice of rest and reflection will build up that muscle of discernment within yourself so that as you go through your days, your weeks, your months, as you go through your life, you are better able to know what energy will be the most supportive for me right now. And sometimes the answer to that question is masculine. And sometimes it's feminine. Our default is masculine. And that's where for me, a lot of the shame and guilt will come up when I'm thinking about rest and the needs that I have that are more rooted in feminine energy. It's because as a society, we have been taught to value the masculine energy of force and productivity above all else. And I'm here to tell you, you're more than that. You're more than your, your value does not lie in your productivity. Your value does not lie in how many things you cross off your to-do list today. And the meaning of life is so much more than that as well. And we are here, I believe, as empaths, as sensitives, to help bring back that balance. That's a part of the shift of global frequency into love, into, into higher vibe that I talk about as well. Part of that, a big part of that, is learning how to lean into feminine energy and to bring it back into balance with the masculine. And again, it starts with each and every one of us. That's how it works. You heal yourself, you heal the world. So for me, it's a really beautiful reminder to create space for myself to rest and reflect. And I hope that that feels supportive for you, my love, my listeners, as you go into this weekend. Um, and, and maybe you're feeling like me, like I could really use a nap. <laughs> been a week uh, and not judging yourself for any of the rest and reflection and new time that you need so that you can show up as the highest, most nourished and balanced version of you for yourself and for the people that you love and the people that you serve in the day-to-day of this lifetime. I hope that this has felt supportive for you. I'm sending you into this weekend with so much love and I just am, am so appreciative for you being here and listening each week. I can't tell you how much it means to me and um, how grateful I am for this opportunity to speak my truth and um, to, to explore these different topics with you. If you haven't already, I encourage you to please visit my website. I'll link it in the episode notes, sensitivecollective.com to pick up your own empath healing toolkit. It's a really simple checklist with some resources linked to it that you can start incorporating in your day-to-day life that will help you with this rest and reflection that will help you deepen your self-awareness and will really support you on your own healing and empowerment journey. And in closing, as always, I want to remind you that you're doing the best you can where you're at with what you've got. And I love you.